Welcome to episode three of the Elijah Rising podcast. My name is David Gamboa. I'm the communications director for Elijah Rising, and I'm here with Sam, who many of you probably already know. You might know me as the girl with the blue hair on the <laughs> YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, my name is Sam Hernandez. I'm the mobilization director for Elijah Rising. I oversee the social enterprise or our store, and then I also work with a lot of our incredible volunteers. Um, but yeah, I've been here since like 2000 and. 13, 2012, something yeah. like that. So <laughs> this is actually pre-recorded, so this will air in probably four weeks. So right now we're in day two of quarantine. Um, but we still want to create the podcast to shed light on um, sexual exploitation because it's still happening no matter what's going on in the world. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we're being very safe here. We've shut down our offices. We just came in to record. We shut down our store today, actually. Um, but yeah, we want to talk about this, especially because people really have time to listen. Um, and this is a very complex issue. So that's why we're spending so many episodes on pornography, um, because it's not just a, a simple thing to kind of roll out. Yeah. And really the world's attention is kind of, um, shifted to looking at pornography and the harm that it's, that it's creating. Um, Exodus Cry has created a petition that right now has over half a million signatures yeah. around the world, and Absolutely. it's garnered global attention. Which, and by the way, I don't know if y'all know that this is Exodus Cry putting their neck on the line for this issue, because so many people, um, I mean, on a small scale, on like a really, really small scale, when we spoke out against the robot brothel, me and David wrote that blog in a day, and the amount of great things that came from that and the great, um, you know, PR or whatever you want to call it on the issue, we had so much vile hatred spewing evil, like threats, um, all kinds yeah. of stuff that came at us. So for them, how much recognition this is getting, you know, just remember to keep them in their prayers because they are really f being like the tip of the arrow on something that's really crazy um but it's so important so thank you exodus cry for all that you're doing and so that's why we're wanting to come back and just support yeah and so in this episode we really want to bring awareness to the people who are actually in the porn videos mm -hmm. um because those are we often overlook people that are in porn videos we're always talking about the producers of porn we're talking about the people who consume porn from their home yeah but how can we really um care for and understand what it's like to be someone who's in the porn industry and how can we have empathy to share the love of Christ with them? Absolutely. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult for us or for me. I don't know if it's difficult for, for you when a lot of the people that we are, you know, we're speaking against pornography. There's people in the porn industry that this is like, this is their, what they would consider their livelihood. Um, it's how they make money. It's how that they survive. And I think that when we speak out against the system of harm, it feels directly connected to speaking out against the person, um, which there is, if you are in porn, if you have um, even webcammed or any of this, there's no judgment on you or what you're doing or we don't... Um, we don't hate you. We don't judge you. Um, and, and we haven't even walked in your shoes, so we don't know your story. But what we're speaking out uh, against is the system that people are benefiting off of something that is harming another person. That's what we're speaking out. So 
Yeah, and, and we want to dive more into that, but I just want to say that, that we're not trying to come into place with this, but it is difficult, right? Because we're speaking out against someone's livelihood, and yeah. how do we do that while still honoring, recognizing, and hearing with an open mind the person? Because at the end of the day, we've never been in their shoes. Yeah. Um, so we really try to listen as much as we talk about this as well. Yeah, and so in this first half of the podcast, we really want to share a story, um, a a guy who is actually in porn reached out to us via phone. Um, he's in the porn industry in another state, found us online. And we kind of want to share, he just began to open up about all kinds of things that he was feeling, things that he experienced, things that were to him very normative in the porn industry. And he didn't really feel safe to talk about it with anyone else. And so he called <laughs> us on the phone. And so it was really a great honor for us to just listen to him, really. And so we wanted to share yeah. with you guys kind of what that discussion looked like. Yeah, and um, it was it was very interesting that we were even recorded it. It was it was one of those moments where we had been talking about God touching people and reaching people, and um, like I want you to know, like sometimes that we come like we come here and we talk about issues of like anti pornography, anti prostitution, this and this, but we are truly, I think, one of the most unoffendable group of people. The way that you can offend us is by harming others. But like you people talking to us and sharing, you know, their story or or where they're at doesn't offend us. And so um it was really great that he was able to call and really he went in to the depths of, and, and trigger warning with some of the things, I don't know what we'll cut in as far as the call goes, but he, he shared with not only um, how he got into porn, which he got in by happenstance because he needed a place to stay. Um, yeah, him and his girlfriend, they were just um, going to a wedding in another state and mm-hmm. needed extra money yep. with the travel and the um, staying expense yeah. and just got connected with a person who he was like, this person seemed kind of shady, but they needed the money. And it was just doing a basic like model mm-hmm. photo shoot. Yeah. And he said, as soon as it started, it began the racism, the objectification became really, really apparent very, very quickly. Um, and this thing that was just like, okay, all of a sudden, um, you know, we're taking pictures one day and then it's like all these jobs came up. So it was like they were taking pictures one day and then all of a sudden they have all these jobs. And there's this article that was done in, um, I'll send you the link to make sure you can put it in the notes. There was this article done in, I believe it was in Sweden with all these different porn actors. And one thing that they, that one person who was in the live said, she said, I wish that they would tell you what's coming next because all of a sudden you go to one photo shoot, an entire website is made of your body and then money's just pouring in, um, which is like kind of that first love bombing of like all this excitement. Um, and then in, later in that article, they attributed a lot of the mental, um, they said, you know, the mental stress of then that happening and then all of a sudden jobs going away and then you're desperate and you're willing to do worse and worse because you had this moment where it was like good and, and quote unquote easy. And then after that, it becomes like, you're not good enough. You're not young enough. You're not this enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just like this, he and said. And really that's how trafficking works. It's just the exploitation of a vulnerability. And in this case, you know, they were well off, but there was that one vulnerability of not being able to, Yep. Not not have a place to stay in this other state. 
Um, and he said it was like he felt like he had just made a wrong decision once he was in, once he was in it, you know, mm -hmm. in the porn industry. He just felt like, well, I made this choice, and this is, this is, the punishment for my choice that I made. Yeah, and the main issue he called was his. He was struggling with anxiety, which I. I have so much anxiety for different reasons. Um, that's something I've battled for years, but he was saying that the anxi anxiety never started until he was in the life, um, and it was because he was always sick. He was always getting different STDs here and there and, and, and back and forth and always on medication and always getting better, and he woke up with this intense dread that, like, oh, my gosh, something else is going to happen. I'm going to have something else. Yeah, and, you know, I've never really experienced that until now I think we're all sort of feeling like this understanding of how important our health is and how really life is so just fragile. 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 We're one with, phone call away. Yeah, yeah with COVID-19 and, and all that's happening around the world, um, here this guy was calling us and he was saying he feared for his life every day. He feared for his health. He didn't, um, there was multiple diseases that, um, he experienced while in the porn industry. Yeah. And he, he kept telling us that people would reach out to them, um, with probably good means. They probably, um, meant well, but at the same time, they were just normalizing these things, saying, well, this is just going to happen to your body, and your body will adjust to these your things. He, they, he kept saying that people were like, your body will get used to it. Your body will get used to it. Um, but the type of things that he was mentioning, again, it's, it's kind of crass, and we discussed whether or not we should say it, but he was talking about people's feces, people's urine, um, vomit, um, different type of bodily fluids all being put on them as part of these porn scenes, um, which we know a lot of porn is very, shows what we would consider like deviant or, or different sexual behavior, such as those kind of things. And I mean, anyway, I won't speak to how I feel about that. Um, but just from a scientific science level, like that is exposing you to all kinds of sicknesses. And he was saying they test weekly, but then how many, he said the amount of partners you have from one week to the next where there's no way to control the amount of diseases that you're getting or the infections that you're getting, yeah. um, which is no shame to that person. It's just, I mean, is what would OSHA say? <laughs> like, it's not physically safe. Um, yeah, and he was saying, you know, the, the main tests are focused on STDs and STIs, but there's very little resources in regards to mental health. Um, the symptoms that he was experiencing was panic, anxiety. He would wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks, not being able to sleep, basically have this fear of like, he's gonna die all yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, and our response um, to that was, you know, I didn't try to sit and tell him that he was wrong for being in the industry. I didn't sit and try to tell him like, hey, you need to get out as soon as you can because I don't think that's what his heart needed. I don't think that's what anyone's heart needed. Heart needs is to be like, this is how you fix all your problems because that's, that's not the way. But instead we just said, Hey, what do you want? Do you want resources? Do you want someone just to talk to? Um, and <clears throat> you know, he mentioned he didn't want anything religious. Um, but I did ask his permission. I said, Hey, can I just pray for you? And I think that's when it kind of shifted to something really special. Yeah. Um, I, we're a faith-based organization and are, are we ready to talk about that? Can I move to that? Yeah. We yeah. Can. Um, you know, you hear all this horrible stuff and you hear a situation that you can't relate to. So, you know, sometimes I talk too much and I'm like, just shut up and just 
pray. So I said, hey, can I pray for you? He was like, absolutely. And so I just asked God to give me some sort of, give me words, to give me something to say. And I really, all of a sudden in my heart, just felt this overwhelming love of God and the overwhelming love of God and excitement for his creative dreams. Um, and, it, and I'll preface it to say this was a cool moment because during our staff prayer, we had been praying, Lord, give us words of knowledge to mm-hmm. really break through to people's hearts oh my gosh. in a way that, you know, we couldn't naturally do on our own means. Uh-huh. And that's why we actually recorded the call because it was so out of the blue. It was after we had been praying for like these um, random encounters with people that we don't know and the Lord giving us the ability to take a risk and, and speak out. And so um, that's why we were recording the call and what happened was was very cool. Yeah, because I just have... we. I think us out of most of the staff probably are the most like giddy little kids about words of knowledge because I don't, I just don't feel like I'm not that like great, special, like spiritual person. I I mean, I don't know. I don't have faith in me. I have faith in God and, and I just trust and I'll pray for someone and I hear something or I get an impression. I kind of ask the Lord, like, is that for me to pray or do I release? And if I feel like this okayness to release it, I will, and and I just said some simple stuff. Like, it was nothing earth-shaking. Just, I feel like you have these dreams. I feel like this, this, and this. And his response was, like, so sweet and cool. Yeah, and really, he was he he kept stuttering because he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, speechless. I don't even know what to say. It was like, he said, it was like you just read all the thoughts that were in my mind. Yeah. And I get, like, so, because, sorry, I'm not even speaking straight. I get so excited about that because a lot of times you, whether you sitting at home on your computer, you they might think, I'm like talking about y'all like you're not, they might think <laughs> that we're here to like, we have to stop all the sin because that makes us feel better. Or we have to stop all the pervert, like that's not the thing. We want to stop harm and we want to see people's lives have an opportunity for choices, have an opportunity for hope and to feel the love of God. And so it was such like a special moment just to say, look, I don't, I don't know what you, I don't know what your next steps are going to be. I can't tell that to you, but I'm so excited that God can show you that he cares about you, that he loves you. Um, and it was just, it was so awesome. And we see that happen all the time. I concerts at, uh, on the street, you just meet somebody and God gives you a word for them and it can be really special. Yeah, and and you know, <laughs> as far as I know, this person is still in the porn in the life, industry. Yeah. yeah, and but it's these little breakthroughs that we are able to witness, and and that's what it's important. You know, I hate the question people always ask. You know, well, how many people have you saved or rescued? And yeah, that's not that's really not the the point. Our point is to just love people where they're at. Yes, and provide off ramps for people who feel like there's no other way out. Provide off-ramps, provide opportunity. And in the stages of change, which I don't know if you can like throw up a stages of change graphic, you know, um, what keeps people in the stages of change is like they're only in their own environment that is just reaffirming the lies about people's worth, about, you know, um, are they able to get out? Are they um, smart enough? Are they strong enough to have another job? Will they have the support they need? And every time that we can come and interrupt that cycle to say, you are special, you are strong, we believe in you, um, is an opportunity to encourage that, that exit if, you know, if, if that's what they choose to do. Um, because 
it's important. I think it's just so important too that, you know, we have opportunities to hear from people that are in the life that aren't leaving, that are um, in different places. Because if we just sit in our own bubble of anti-trafficking, anti-pornography, anti-sex trafficking, we're not hearing from survivors, people are in the life, um, you know, people who are there and see where, where can we help and when, where can we work together? Then we're in an echo chamber. Um, and empathy is educated. Empathy is so important. Yeah. Now, Sam, you know, what can we say to our audience? Who's mostly Christians? Um, hi Christians. (laughs) How, how can we love people who, you know, are in the porn industry? Absolutely. And what is God's heart towards them? You know, I'll never forget this like terrifying moment um, where I was on this bus of foreign press journalists. There was like how many of them? Like 30? Yeah, 30. Like a charter bus. And they were doing a van tour and all of them, they have microphones in my face. They're all from different backgrounds, different belief structures, different um, different government structures. And one person said, oh, you're a Christian organization. Um, isn't prostitution a sin? And... I remember being so taken aback and feeling like I I think this person was wanting me to say something potentially damaging. Um, And I just felt the Lord remind me of the woman caught in adultery. Um, And I feel like the way I responded and the way I respond to how do Christians love people in the porn industry is that... um, Jesus's heart is always just grace, love, and bringing them to himself, even when they're they're most vulnerable. And his his love was towards that person. His anger was towards the religious accuser, um, the person who was pointing at them in their most naked, vulnerable moment and calling calling for them to be stoned. Um, and I think we should do the same. Um, I believe that God's heart is so much less offended by someone who is just figuring it out versus someone who is spitting out vile hatred. So I think ways that we can love people who are in the industry is number one is listen. We can listen to them. Even if you disagree with us, um, we can listen to each other and say, Hey, if you disagree, if we disagree, here's still the resources. If you ever, if you ever need them, and then we can not consume pornography because it's so damaging and it is, um, supporting these big industries that are profiting off of these people. Yeah. And that's really, you know, as Christians, you know, I don't remember what the statistic is, but more than half of people that attend church are watching porn, you know, somewhat regularly. Absolutely. And at the same time, you know, you, you would judge someone who was in porn, you know, you wouldn't let them lead a small group or something like that. But at the same time, you're perpetuating this system of exploitation and so, you know, we all need grace. We all absolutely need grace. And I, like, I think it's okay that I don't have the perfect answer for the system. I think people, I think we've found some great legislative, you know, ideas and we can speak out, you know, based on statistics, based on amazing studies that have been done, um, what we think would be the right way forward. But at the end of the day, like, our main objective is love, um, is God's love, and um, reducing the amount of 
abuse and oppression that's happening. Um, and again, we see the whole system as being an oppressive system. Um, but the people, we, we so love you. And if you're listening out there and you're involved in the industry, because I think a lot of you are believers, a lot of you are Christians, but I think there's others too. Some of you guys have messaged me personally to say, you know, I, Hey, I feel really judged. I feel really, um, that's really not our heart. And we're always here to listen, to talk because a lot of times we just get message. I mean, I was on Viceland and Twitter, like hated me. Um, said that I was harassing people, that I was projecting my own issues. Like, if you feel that way, like, let's sit down and have a, maybe in a few weeks after quarantine's over, or <laughs> we can have a Skype and just talk talk to each other um, and see where we can work together. Um, I don't know. It's very difficult for me because I think I'm more, I, I feel very empathetic towards the, the individuals and just so, so brokenhearted when like the hatred of, I think some people who have a lot of prejudice or have a lot of misunderstanding has affected them feeling like they're welcome in our churches yeah, or they're welcome in our small groups or they're welcome at our human trafficking meetings. Yeah. So as, as the world kind of awakens to the harms of pornography, I believe we're going to see a lot of people that are coming out of the porn industry and really, you know, they're going to have to have this whole process of rebuilding their lives. So how can, how can we serve, you know, as the church, how can we invite um, people with that sort of past? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when someone has been in a certain lifestyle for a long time, there may not dress in a way that you're comfortable with or that you think is appropriate for church. Um, so when people come in from different walks of life, don't judge them based... I mean, that seems like such an elementary thing, but you might just think, oh, this girl's wearing this dress or this heels or who cares? Like, who cares? You know, um, accept them where they are, love them where they are and realize that what better place for them to be um, I, I truly believe there's going to be a huge, huge new church that's arising, that's coming out from these places. And um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing opportunity for the church to love people that don't look like them because that's the body of Christ. And our first job is not to change the way that they look or to change the way that they talk or to do. It's just to invite them and to allow, allow Jesus to meet them. And, and we take our shoes off in their story. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we don't just stumble into being like, okay, so what's your story? Tell your testimony. That's not ours. Like, that does not yeah. belong to you. If you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, um, you know, Tiffany. She was in the porn industry, and now she's here. Praise God. That's not your business. If anything, you're. This is Tiffany, and she has a great casserole recipe. Like, don't <laughs> share, <laughs> calm down with sharing people's business. You know what I mean? And, um, and then people who are business owners. You know what I mean? Yeah. We could hire, maybe take a chance on someone who has a more, you know, uh, a different type of work history so that they know, hey, I, there is opportunity for me. There is opportunity. Yeah, and that's one of the major factors that causes trafficking to happen. It's not, it's not people being kidnapped or, you know, picked off off the side of the street. It's really inability to find a job. Survival. Like just survival, Yeah. Yes, and nobody, nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves 
no opportunity, depending on what they look like and how comfortable it makes us. Um, you know, our okayness and our comfort level should come from our own places of security, should come from the Lord. Um, and we should be willing to expand and invite others um, because I think that would be such a huge testimony to the love of God to say like, hey, I, I don't know your whole thing. <laughs> I don't know what your background is, but here's your skill set. And that's the kind of thing that I measure your ability to be a part of this job. Or here's your opportunity to learn and grow those things. Um, yeah, I think churches, individuals, we should be ready just to receive people exactly where they're at and not stumble into the details of what their past is without, we just don't have a right to that. Yeah. And really trauma. I mean, your body keeps the score on traumas title of a book that I encourage all of you to read. Um, yes. an excellent book. And as we become more aware of trauma, you understand that this takes time to heal. It's not one day can pass and your trauma can be totally restored and you're restored to wholeness as an individual. Like at least it takes a lifetime, really. It takes a lifetime. And, and, you know, we can't, I can't expect every church and every person to be ultra trauma informed overnight, but like a small thing is maybe ask somebody before you give them a hug. (laughs) Yeah. If someone is in your church and you don't know them say, Hey, could I give you a hug? And if they say, if they look uncomfortable, be like, how about, how about an air five? Or how about, you know, no, (laughs) because physical touch can be both healing and healthy and also very triggering. Um, just being aware of, of people's stories are not like your own. And let me tell you, you most likely have people who've survived sex trafficking or sexual abuse in your churches. Yeah. They don't, you know, we ha- might have a picture in your mind. Get rid of it. They look like everybody. They're men. They're women. They're, you know, old. They're young. They look like all different types of people. Um, and so if you kind of sit there and think, man, well, I'm not in a big city church. This doesn't affect me. I guarantee you it is <laughs> it is in your environment. I've been to small churches and tiny towns outside of the city that call me a day later. Oh, my gosh, someone just came. This is a real story. happened Um, about an hour, more than an hour outside of Houston. I went and spoke week later. Oh my gosh, we just had someone come and she is coming down off drugs that her trafficker gave her. She's at our church asking for help. What do we do? Um, so it does happen to us. So we just need to ready ourselves and we hope to be a source to help with those situations. You can always call us too. Yeah, so uh, this is about all the time we had to discuss this topic, but uh, we want to continue the conversation. So go on social media, send us a direct message. Yeah, and comment if you're on YouTube, um, comment down below, like, what do you think about some of the things we've talked about? What do you think are ways that we could better love people who are coming out of the industry or who are still in the industry? And what? how do you feel about any of the things that we shared about, because we want to hear your voice so we know what kind of questions are, are being asked and what your feedback is. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Elijah Rising podcast. If you're hearing our voices or if you're seeing us here on YouTube, um, make sure that you sign the petition that's in our show notes or in the description down below. That really lets the world know about what we're saying about pornography, and it can make a huge, huge difference, especially with the amount of people that have jumped on. Let us know what you think about the things that we said. Comment down below or message us on any of our social media. Um, You can reach us on Facebook, on Instagram, or on YouTube. We hope that you subscribe to our podcast because we're going to come out with new content um, every Two two weeks. Every two weeks. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you ring the bell. 
And then underneath the bell, put all so that every time we upload, you'll be notified. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.